Welcome to East Dropping at the Movies. I'm Mike. And I'm Jose. Right. Okay, you ready? Yeah, well, the first thing is, um, before we get into talking about Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle, I've had a number of complaints about the pronunciation of the director of Mountains Made Apart's name, uh, which we originally said was Gia Janke, yes. which is which is, and we knew at the time that was way off. And then my brother corrected it to Jajanke. Uh, which sounded pretty right. And then my mate Stafford got involved and uh, he told me this. Hi, Mike. So the Kerr in his name is... The K is Kerr. So his name is Ja. And then ZH is pronounced like a J. So it's Ja Jiang Kerr. Um, also, it's... Chinese words are very syllabic. So you don't like... It's not like Janker or Jiang Kerr. It's... Every syllable has kind of equal weight. But that still sounded suspicious to me. So then what I did was I asked his wife. Right. Because his wife is Chinese. And I thought, well, we'll get to the bottom of this one. So what was her response? Her response was this. Jia Zhongke. Jia Zhongke. Jia Zhongke. Jia Zhongke. That's what we're going with. Jia Zhongke. Jia Zhongke. Jia Zhongke. Jia Zhongke. Jia Zhongke. So your brother was giving the trendy London pronunciation. Well, I mean, who who knows where who knows who knows where my brother uh, who knows where my brother got his pronunciation from. He said that he was told to say that. And anyway, I I have now I've spent so long on this question. Yes, you have. And I've been waiting for someone to say it with the correct amount of authority. And now I've an actual Chinese person has sent me a recording. So case closed. Jia Jongke. That's what I'm going to say. Jia Jia Jongke. Well, anyway, it doesn't matter because today we're talking about Jumanju. (laughs) Not Jia Jongke. (laughs) Just plain Jumanju. (laughs) Jumanji. Is it Jumanji? Oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, oh, it is Jumanji. How do you not know? That? I've been saying the word Jumanji for two months. Wait, I know you've been saying let's go see Jumanji um, because I'm well, sick and tired. I thought you were mispronouncing it. You see what? Well, you know you haven't been able to get anything right. Jajanke. <laughs> I'm going to delete all- with Jumanji. I'm going to delete all this and do it again at the end because you've ruined it for me. <laughs> Uh, no, I think you should keep it in. Jumanji. Jumanji. It's actually called Jumanji. It's not Jumanji or Jumanju or anything like that. <laughs> apparently, um, <laughs> apparently, it's a Zulu word that means um, many effects. Ah. Because remember the, the the original story and the first film. The idea was it was like the the jungle came to America mm. through the board game, and so um, and I guess that's that's kind of what it was alluding to. It's like Hakuna Matata was a real phrase. How was it? Yeah, yeah, it's it's, um, it's a Swahili. Right. Because my flatmate's uh, her family is from uh, Tanzania, uh-huh. where they speak Swahili. And apparently, before before the Lion King came out, she had like T-shirts that said Hakuna Matata on them. Right. It's like it was a phrase there that means no worries. Okay. So you know, and then Asante Sana means thank you. 
Sorry? Remember it, the, uh, the Rafiki, the chimp, uh-huh. the, the chimp, the baboon, says, Asante sana, squash banana, here, da 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 That's Asante sana means thank you, apparently. Asante sana, okay. I think. All right. Basically, if anyone goes to Tanzania, they're equipped with two phrases that every, that they can use <laughs> because they've seen the Lion King. Uh, 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 anyway. Uh, anyway. So Jumanji apparently has the Zulu origin of the title. Anyway, that's not the point. The, the original film was from 1995. starred Robin Williams, Bonnie Hunt, Kirsten Dunst, and uh, the kid. No one, no one knows who he was. Right. Well, um, I don't know anything about it because it's a film that I've tried to see many times and I just haven't been able to really. It's kind of, it's, um, you know, I, I normally love Robin Williams, but he's got this marmy kind of good person period. And this is a film that, you know, fits into that. I just, I just Smarmy good person period. Yeah. Well, go on. It began with Mrs. Doubtfire, you know, where he's just kind of. I think if you watch Jumanji again, you'll realise it does. It's not quite like that. I mean, he's his character. Well, my point is, I haven't been able to watch it once, so I want you to tell me. Well, you should. And the thing about his character in Jumanji, Alan Parrish, is um, so he and Bonnie Hunt's character when they were little kids uh, in 1968 or nine, um, they they played this board game. And it ended up with Alan Parrish being sucked into the game. Mm. And then, sort of 20, 25 years later, in 1995, um, these two young kids, Kirsten Dunst and her brother, um, play the game. And it releases Alan Parrish back mm. into the real world. And he's been stuck in this game for 25 years. And he's been changed by it, you know? He's suspicious and he's scared and he's been living in the jungle, fighting this guy who's been after him for years and years. It's a little. It's a slight departure from that nice Robin Williams. I know what you mean by that. I mean, I know what you mean by the Mrs. Doubtfire Robin Williams. Mm. It's a slight departure from that because he's not kind of out to please people in this. Mm. He's scared and isolated, and he actually has to learn to reintegrate with people. Mm. Um, he's he's quite vicious at points. Okay. Um, so um, I wanted to explain what the appeal of the original was. I know that you know you're a big fan, and I just wonder. Is it a childhood thing for you, or is it's, it... It's partially a childhood thing, that's uh-huh. for sure. I just watched it a lot when I was a kid. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, I remember telling kids at school... I was born in 1988, so I was seven when this film came out. So I was watching it when I was seven, eight, nine, ten, you know. And um, I remember telling kids at school, in, like, 1996, I guess, that I was the kid in Jumanji. <laughs> and you still are! Well, <laughs> I don't know how I expect them to believe me, but kids tell kids all sorts of stupid shit when they're, like, eight years old, mm. you know? But it was, I get it. It was a popular film. Uh-huh. It, it was made, very uh, popular. It was popular. I've got the box office here. Um, uh, it had a budget of $65 million. That was a lot of money then. It was a lot of money. And it was a big effect. So, I mean, this was just after Jurassic Park. And it was kind of... The, Jurassic Park and Terminator and one sort of things. And this was kind of the next big effects mm. movie. It was, you know, kind of a big effects driven sort of thing it wasn't incidental but you know I mean it was a big deal they were having all these digitally created animals running through the streets of whatever you know kind of northeastern American town it was um, so it was a budget of 65 million it made 100 million dollars in the USA and 260 million dollars worldwide so a big hit because actually I think there was a point maybe you know around the late 80s early 90s where I judged you know a blockbuster hit to be those that made uh, over a hundred million mm. domestic, right? Because you know that was still quite unusual. Uh, um, I mean, maybe three, four, five on a good year, six or seven films might make that, but it was not at all a common thing. Mm. Right? I mean, we're now you know we're talking about a billion global or 
yeah. you know, stuff like that. But uh, And it was right in the middle of, of when Robin Williams was a huge, huge star. Yes, it was. Um, so uh, it's got kind of, it had kind of cachet for that reason, I guess. You, know, you yes. pop him in your film and it's a big star vehicle. Yes. Um, so what did you, what was its appeal to you? Uh, it's the original. So it's kind of a fantasy sort of adventure thing, right? It's um, it's quite fantastical, and it's and it's 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 very easily, it's kind of very easily relatable. Like mm-hmm. it's mainly about this kid, the um, Robin Williams character, who his dad runs a shoe factory, and when he's a kid, he kind of he ends up sort of slightly sabotaging one of the machines. I can't remember exactly how he puts something in it and it breaks, and and his dad's furious with him. And he's just kind of... I mean, it's a while since I've seen it, to be fair. Um, but you can just relate as a kid to, you know... Even though this kid has a lot of privilege, his family lives in a mansion, his dad runs a factory, um, the, the kid is a bit of a loner, I guess. Mm. A bit nerdy and a bit... Not the most popular kid. He ends up getting sucked away into this world. And so, like, his life... I, I guess, in some ways, d- d- doesn't really go... The way he thinks it will, and I, I don't know. Like, I, you can certainly really relate just as a kid to your parents punishing you and that sort of thing. And it's tough actually because that's not like what not, not what makes the film kind of uniquely relatable or whatever. But like, it's something that I really remember about it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the villain is fantastic in it. This guy Van Pelt, uh-huh. who that, that's also the villain in this, or at least he shares the same name. But the villain in the first Jumanji is played by the same actor that plays Alan Parrish's dad from 1969. And you know, you can tell. So um, so there's quite a nice thing. Like, is that thing of, is it actually, is the game actually for real or is it a representation of something? Mm. You know, the fact that the same actor is playing this, his actual dad and this fantasy villain, you know, does that mean it's real? or, or it's, You notice that, I think. Mm. And that's, that's, that's kind of fun. Um, and on top of that, it's really exciting and really funny. The action works really well. There's there's plenty of kind of good jokes, but it's it's not as comedy heavy as the new one. Uh-huh. The new one is really set up as a comedy adventure, whereas the old one is more a childhood mm. film, I guess. If, if if that's a reasonable sort of category, mm. it's a film so- about childhood and about and then it's about them learning. It's about him reintegrating with people and learning how to work with people and and how to get on and kind of this little family is created when the four people, uh, which is Robin Williams, Bonnie Hunt, Kirsten Dunst and the other kid, mm. uh, all have to work together, rather like they're doing this one, they all have to work together to finish this game and it becomes about about courage and perseverance and getting through it. Okay, let's shift the conversation on to this film. Yeah. yeah. So what did you think of, of this, of the 2018 uh, Jumanji uh, what's the what's the subtitle? Uh, it's it's called Jumanji. Welcome to the jungle. Welcome to the jungle. So, what did you think of this one? Uh, I thought it was really funny. Uh-huh. I I essentially had a good time. Uh-huh. Uh, I think it's very slow at the start because it's uh, what I do appreciate is that although I'm not the kind of person who's like into into worlds like mm. p- must preserve the world like all these people watching the new Star Wars are like oh it's changed the world of Star Wars. Mm. You know, it would be absurd to say that about Jumanji. Mm. You know, which is one film. Um, but having said that, I do actually like the way that it kind of changes the world. It's clearly a sequel because there's a point where you see this thing carved. Alan Parrish was here; it's carved into a mm. bit of wood. So, like, it has this continuation from the film from twenty years ago. Um, 
but the film, the film's world is updated, so it starts off seeing the board game, and then this kid goes, who plays board games anymore? And then it turns into a video game. Yes. So now what happens is... And in fact, there's another central difference is in the first film, the, the board game world of the jungle came into the real world. And in this film, the kids are sucked into the video game and have to complete the video game from inside mm. to then be returned to the real world. Mm. Uh, which, again, is a nice difference. I think, actually, if they did the same thing again with the jungle just coming into the real world, it, would, it could be far too similar mm. uh, and really just look like a rehash. Actually, this is a different thing. Mm. Um, I must say, I hated the whole beginning. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. I thought the characters were boring stereotypes... The actors playing them were very unappealing. You know, you pointed out the product placement, and as soon as you pointed it out, I couldn't stop seeing it. And I just think it's obscene to have... Well, that came from two things, which is... I knew the premise was now it was a video game instead of a board game. Mm. And then the opening credit is Sony. So you add those two things up, and I'm thinking, okay, well, I'm going to see a PlayStation. Yes. Because that's a Sony product. First thing you see is a PlayStation. Yes. And then in 1996 when the first kid is sucked into the game. Yeah. And then you see PlayStation 20 years later, and that kid has got PlayStation posters all over his walls. Like, yes. no kid lives... Well, actually, maybe they do. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Um, but the kid has got ga- the posters for, for the Uncharted games and for, for The Last Guardian and all these Sony products. The, the other kid, the, um, the football the kid, has got the headphones which say Sony on them. Yeah. Everyone's got a, a Sony Xperia phone because no one has an iPhone. I was amazed that the kid was using a Mac. Yes. I thought he'd use a Sony Veo. But it was annoying. <laughs> it was annoying to see. Um, and, Sony everywhere. And I just thought that whole preamble, uh, uh, you know, this kind of small town America with all these stereotypes, you know, a girl who lives, you know, who's completely superficial and lives, you know, in on Instagram and, mm. you know, then the nerdy kid and then, you know, the big black football player who's not, not too bright. I mean, I just hated all of those stereotypes, really. Yeah, it, it, there, is a, there is a level of offensiveness to them. Like, the, the film is doing um, the perfunctory amount of characterization to make you understand what these kids are and their central thing that is going to be challenged. Yes. So you've got uh, the nerdy kid who can't stand up to people and can't talk to girls. You've got uh, the nerdy girl whose whole thing is about getting schoolwork done and she doesn't have time for PE. Mm. Uh, you've got the, the pretty girl who spends all their time taking selfies and making sure she looks good. Yes. Um, and, and wasting time in class and chatting to her friends. And you've got, like as you say, the big black football player who is getting the nerdy kid to do his homework for him because he wants to concentrate on football. I mean, it's such cliches, all of them. And, and it's not know. its not quite established. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't go as far as to say the black guy is stupid. Um, because I think actually his thing is more about he doesn't have time to do football and his work and he wants to concentrate on one and not the other. Yes. Um, but it does have an element, when they get into the game and his character is a zoologist, he, say, he comes out with all this stuff about this animal is this and it's habitual to hear and it does this and that and the other. How do I know this stuff? Mm. You know, so there's, an el- there's a kind of slightly insidious element of that, like, how could I possibly be this smart? Yeah. I mean, so he gets his change as well because obviously, you know, he learns to value knowledge and teamwork and, and yeah. so on. Um, but the film didn't come alive for me until they actually entered the game. Yeah. And then the stars appeared, really. Yeah, you so know. when they get into the game, they all the kids transform into the video game characters that they've chosen. So the nerdy kid has chosen The Rock, yes. uh, Dwayne Johnson. 
who's ten foot tall and yeah. has got I muscle. Did, yeah. I didn't much like uh, um, the Rock. Yeah, well, I'm a bit ambivalent about the Rock anyway. I mean, you can see how he's very charismatic and very appealing. But I hated the thing of him admiring his own body as if he were the young nerdy kid. The young nerdy kid is so surprised to find himself in this body that he constantly admires it, which really is Dwayne Johnson admiring himself, which is kind of... There's an element of that. I I, I think think the film is is walking a tightrope with that one because it's also true that Dwayne Johnson is not afraid to mock himself. Yes. Um... And you know he kind of take he, like he his character does smouldering looks. That's one of his strengths. It's yes. literally they're literally listed out their strengths and weaknesses. And one of his strengths is smouldering good looks. And so he he stands there and he smoulders and has a thousand yard stares in the distance like a movie hero, um, which is the film <laughs> kind of mocking that, but at the same time doing that. Yes, I think the film is doing this a lot actually with a lot of things. Like it, one of the things it's doing is it's basically it's taking on video game tropes which. I'm sure I picked up on more than you did. Yes. Uh, and and saying, you know, oh, video games are rubbish because they do this. But then in satirising them or taking the piss out of them, it has to do them itself. So it's yes. like it's like saying, you know, oh, you're really stupid. You go, no, 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 But then you've just gone, no, 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 to take the piss. I mean, for me, the, the, the only things that I truly like about the film are Joe Black and Kevin Hart. Jack Black. Jack Black. Uh, Jack Black and Kevin Hart. I thought uh, Jack Black in particular was fantastic because, you know, the whole shtick there is that he appears, so he is originally the pretty girl, Mm. you know, and then he finds himself in, like, this middle-aged fat man's body, really, Mm -hmm. you know, so kind of the playoff on that I thought was very comic, you know, very funny and it worked, really. Yeah, and it's, it's a kind of... He's very well cast, perfectly suited for him. And I think actually what's really good about it is that Jack Black doesn't overplay it. Yeah. I think it's possible to really, really overplay um, how, how appalled he is at himself or, you know, kind of the way that uh, a kind of prissy teenage girl moves. Yes. And actually, the, the situation is absurd enough that he doesn't need to overplay mm-hmm. it. That would, be, that would be really overdoing it. So he just plays it pretty naturally. Yes. And it's funny. Yes. So I was I was I was very delighted with him and Kevin Hart, you know, who who has such brilliant timing really, and I think he gets jokes where you know they're not very good or very well set up, uh, and he does it through like you know vocal inflections and things. So you know that was a joy to see. Yeah, well, Kevin Hart. One of his things is he's he's very small, mm. um, and they're particularly against The Rock, who's yes. you know like six foot seven or something. Um, they're constantly making jokes about the height, and also the, the the two characters are set up so that the height difference is the other way when they're in the real world. Yes. So they play on that, but he's this kind of little bundle of energy and anger, and Hanya's height emphasizes that. I think yes. you know if he was eight foot tall. And being as angry as he is, it's not the same. Yes. You know, it's, it's funnier that he's ineffectual. Um, I think he actually, I think he gets, as you say, he's given a lot of jokes that actually aren't that funny, and I don't think he makes all of them funny. No. I think there, I think there is a dearth of good jokes for him. I think they kind of, it's like they anticipated him making bad writing funny. Yeah, I think actually you do still need good writing to to support you. Well, I think you know he performs miracles basically because for me. The movie is Joe Black and Kevin Hart. Jack Black. Jack Black. Fucking hell. 
<laughs> I've got incipient dementia, I'm sure of it. Uh, so Jack Black and Kevin Hart are, um, you know, the, the highlights. Yeah. I, is there something that I don't know about, you know, the casting of the women? Uh, in what respect? I mean, are they stars? Or are they famous in some other media? Like, well, Karen, why cast them? Karen Gillan is pretty famous, I think. Uh-huh. Uh, wasn't she one of the um, assistants in Doctor Who for a while? All right, okay. Um, I think she's Scottish, and then she's gone to America and, and been doing well there. I, I think she's a star, more or less. Okay. I think people know her. Um, I mean, there's something interesting. Again, this is like a video game thing about the way that um, she's portrayed, because she's the girl character... Uh, and she's basically she's outfitted very badly for running through the jungle. She's got more or less a bikini top on, mm. like a crop top, and and sort of short shorts. And she's showing off a lot of skin. There's this thing in video games about how women are always depicted this way. They're basically sex fantasies for men. Mm. Um, like when m- male characters in video games that you play are muscly and huge, and they look just like the Rock. Um, and female characters are Thin, sexy, big boobs, scantily clad, and, you know... Well, the film is very knowing about that. It's knowing about that, but again, rather like with the the other thing, it's doing it as well as criticising it. Exactly. Having its cake and eating it. You know, so I thought, on the one hand, it was making fun of those sexist tropes and kind of satirising them. On the other hand, you know, why didn't they cast, like, Amy Poehler or some great female comedian to be part of this adventure? Right, so you know, you have like these great comedians, and then you have this action star, and then you know, kind of, why not? Why not do the equivalent of the female characters? Well, she is a comic actress, Karen Gillan. She she was she's definitely been in at least one sitcom, A Touch of Cloth, I think it's called a a British um, police sort of satire. Um, So it's not like she's not funny. She's not given a lot of funny stuff to do. No, but. but in terms of the casting of the film. You know, Dwayne Johnson, Jack Black, Kevin Hart have a, a really high profile. I mean, they're stars, you mm. know. And the, 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 the first two are quite big stars. I just thought the, you know, the, 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 the adventure would have gained something by having, you know, an equivalent female star. You know. I mean, I don't know. Like, I think, I think, despite the fact that I'm kind of uncomfortable with the way that the film is having its cake and eating it with regards to... Uh, her physical portrayal and the way she looks. Um, I, in terms of her star persona, I don't think she's as insignificant uh, in that respect as you and I might think. So like, in other words, I don't think, just because we're not that familiar with her, sure. don't think that no one is. Okay, well, you It's know, true okay. that she's not on the level of a Jack Black, yeah. you know, who's been a star for a while, or a Kevin Hart who's selling out stadiums. Um, I mean, I just thought, you know, it's very interesting what they did with the sex change, let's say, for example, with Jack Black. You know, they could have done a similar thing with Amy Poehler, you know, or, yeah, I don't know why she's coming to mind right now, but, you know, hmm. or, or Silverman, or, you know, I mean, there, there are people you could have cast, really, and it just seems that, like, you know, there's, there's the center of the film, which is uh, Wayne Johnson... Uh, <laughs> Dwayne Johnson. Dwayne Johnson... Uh, Jack Black and Kevin Hart, really, you know, and then kind of, you know. I think she carries a an equal. Girl. I think she carries equal weight with her, especially with the, the stuff with the dancing. Like she's given, in some respects, she's given more to do than some of the others. Yes, I mean she's given more to do actually in terms of advancing the plot and in terms of completing the game 
within the fiction of the film, she's given more to do than Jack Black's character, whose job is to read a map. Yes, I suppose. Um, so he's given a lot of laughs. He's given a lot of laughs, so he's given story stuff to do, yeah. uh, or character stuff to do, but actually, uh, she's not insignificant, I think. Like, um, it's not like she's the, th- the fourth wheel. I know, but, you know, it's a film that ends up with, you know, it's... four men and, and a girl. Yeah. I'm not yeah. saying it's not sexist. No, no. <laughs> I'm not at yeah, all defending just, it on that, I'm just, that front. I'm just riffing. I just find it interesting. I think... No. Um, I, I, but it's also, like, the characters that they become reflect their, the, the kind of challenges that the characters are given, you know. So the, so the, the nerdy kid becomes the heroic, you know, kind of beautiful action hero megastar. Blah. Yes. Blah, right? Uh-huh. Um, you know, the big black kid who's used to being in charge and becomes this ineffective guy. I mean, literally, his job becomes carrying weapons for the nerdy kid. Mm. He can't even wield them himself. Mm. Um, and, and with respect to the girls, you know, the one girl has to learn to, to what it's like to be beautiful and the centre of attention, and the other girl has to learn what it's like to be transgender. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's move on to the world. What did, what did you think of the world that was created, and also particularly... You know, like every level of the game ha- is accompanied by a, a, an action sequence. Yeah, mm. in that bit of the world. What did you? What is your um, view of those? I there are there are certain references I noticed. For one thing, so like the film is kind of picking up on the Uncharted games, which are uh, action adventure games where you go looking for treasure and there's villains who are after it too. And it's like, that is clearly the setup here, where it's all about this jewel, which is the sort of central MacGuffin. And if they can return the jewel to the, this giant statue, then Jumanji, the world of Jumanji will be saved, which we'll get on to. Um, uh, but actually, I mean, the Uncharted games themselves are picking up really from the likes of Indiana Jones. Mm. Um, you know, you, you kind of, you, you have elements of puzzle solving and then an action scene, gunfights, and then more puzzle solving and it just goes back and forth. So that's like really just like Indiana Jones and then you, so you take Indiana Jones and then you turn that into a video game and then you turn the video game back into a movie, mm. you know. Um, so it's like a lot of stuff you've seen before, really. Right. Um, I think there's a central kind of weirdness about the world or sort of inconsistency, which is... In the first film, Jumanji was a threat, like the world was a threat, and the world trespassing on the real world mm. threatened everything, and the basically animals came out and ruined everything, and then floods and earthquakes tore the house apart. Mm. You know, the real world was destroyed when the, the, the board game emerged into it. And in this, the world is sort of a threat, but then actually what it comes down to is the central villain has, con- has taken control of the world by stealing this jewel. Um, and and the world is in need of saving. We go so far as to actually say this: um, Jumanji needs to be saved, and you're the guys to do it. Mm. So, so the central premise, in some ways, has changed really dramatically. The world is no longer the threat. The world is thing. This the thing being threatened. Mm. I'm not sure how I feel about that. Like it's kind of it's pretty muddled. And actually, it needs a stronger villain if it's going to do that. Because the, I like Bobby Cannavale. I like him as an actor, but I think his character is pretty lame. Well, it's just a cliche, really. Exactly. Yeah. I'm not saying, you know, nothing against the actor. I think he does as good a job as, as he can, but the character is crap. Yeah. And he's not an intimidating villain. And the film, like I say, does have this muddled aspect to, to what its world is. You know, I'm, I, I'm expecting Jumanji, the world of Jumanji, to be threatening. And actually, it turns out that what's threatening is the guy controlling it. Mm. And that's not 
what I expected. Mm. I'm not saying that's wrong, but it's if it's a, and if it's a continuation of the first film, which it is, um, then that's a kind of fundamental change. Mm. Actually, do you find the action sequences exciting? Because I didn't. No. Uh, I no. thought they were very poorly done. Um, I did think though that children would love it, you know. So there was a scene. There, there were all those things with like snakes and you know insects, and um, you get the sense that uh, um, uh, uh, children would love scorpions coming out of some people's mouths and things like that. Oh yeah, it reminded me of the mummy when uh, the scarab goes into Omega Lily mm. and it's crawling under his skin. Mm. That was cool. <laughs> well, I think, I, th- I think children would react in a similar way. I think, I'd, I, think I, I think this is a film that I would expect to be very, very popular with children. I would expect children to, mm. to love it, really, whereas I don't. Yeah, it's, it's, sort of, it's creepy in the right sort of ways. It's not overdone. Um, it's not overly dark, which is nice. Yes. I mean, actually, I was thinking, while I was watching it, I was, rem- I was rem- remembering Power Rangers. Uh, which was out last year, mm. and how much I liked that, um, which was totally unexpected. And one of the things that I really loved about Power Rangers was um, how responsible it felt to children. Actually, at one point in Power Rangers, there's a big swipe at Transformers. Mm. can't remember what the joke is exactly, but I remember it. Mm. I remember that they did it, um, which felt completely apt, because Transformers is kind of aimed at kids too, but it's, it's really corrupting, mm. <laughs> uh, and it's malnourishing, mm. um, to say the least. So it, it, Power Rangers was, was felt very responsible to the children that it was being aimed at, um, but it had had moments of darkness that I felt were too heavy. This, on the other hand, I think is it's like it doesn't have so much light, it doesn't have so much dark, and actually it, it, it's more moderate all the way through. So, despite the fact that it has a lot less darkness, which I really appreciated, I like that it's so light-hearted throughout. Basically, um, it also feels. Less, yeah. I don't want to say it. It doesn't feel irresponsible to its audience, um, but it's it's less. Uh, I just I, I remember really really appreciating what a great heart Power Rangers had, mm. which I don't think this has. And it's not like it lacks a heart, but it's just not really important to it. To me, the film seems a bit cheap, mm. you know, and by that I mean not necessarily budget. You know, or even the look of it or anything. But it's a film that lacks texture. You know, mm. it feels thin. You know, it feels something that people haven't given much thought to. You know, and the only joy that I got out of it was really, you know, the with Joe Black and Kevin Hart. Jack Black. Jack Black. Fucking hell. <laughs> Jack Black. Uh, have you been uh, watching Meet Joe Black recently? Is that where it's coming from? That's partly coming from that. Um, and uh, it's partly coming from that the only reason I know Jack Black at all is from School of Rock. It's the only film of his that I'm familiar with, really. Oh, he's a huge star. Yes, I hear. <laughs> but I've only seen School of Rock. Wow. That's what quite else has so he been in? King Kong. Didn't see that. Um, I didn't see that either. <laughs> <laughs> you see? He's such a big star, you've got to look him up on IMDb. I mean, well, I mean, it's a while since he's been in anything really massive. Genre. He's from Tenacious D, but um, I would doubt you would have heard their music. Um, but it's true, I am having to just look up his movies. Uh, Shallow Hal, Kung Fu Panda, Tropic Thunder. I mean, actually, actually, I like, actually he's, he's bigger than his films, really. <laughs> um, but he is a massive star. Yes, he is. I know he is. 
But I just haven't seen him. That's why I keep getting his name muddled. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, he's right. very, very good. No, no, actually, it's true. It's actually that's an interesting thing. He is a lot bigger than pretty much all of his films. You remember him more than the films he's mm-hmm. in. That's interesting. But anyway, yeah. Um, what, what was your point? No, my point is that, you know, maybe the reason why I don't remember his name is because I've only seen him in the mm. one thing. Fair enough. Um, uh, what were we talking about just before that? Um, that the film seemed thin. Yeah. And not very well made, really. Yeah. I didn't find the action scenes... I didn't find the action scenes exciting. I didn't find the world surprising. No. Uh, um... You know, so, and it just felt slack and thin to me. I think the, f- the film, in some respects, um, rewards a knowledge of video games and the culture on which it's based. Yes, of which I have not. Um, which, which, in some ways, uh, which in some ways I've, I've already mentioned because you're talking about the, the way that the female character is portrayed or talking about the kind of structure of puzzle solving action, puzzle solving action, mm. they're video game type things. Um, but one of the, I think what it raised, the, the issue that it raises for me is that as we've been through before, because I, I tried to play with you um, the game uh, The Last of Us, yes. which I consider a masterpiece, and, it, and uh, it's actually by the guys who made the Uncharted games as well. Um, and I was completely uncoordinated. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah so you, 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 you had to go at moving the character around and. Yeah, didn't do a great job of it, which is fair. <laughs> no, that's fair enough. But this, no, this, true. but this is what I'm getting to. Um, and then so I kind of played the game, and you watched a bit, and then you got bored quite quickly. Mm. Which again is sort of fair enough. And the problem is that, like, I think the game is really a masterpiece mm. in so many ways. Um, and I don't think all of those charms are lost when you watch it being played. Mm. I think it's possible for you to watch the game being played without playing it yourself, and and mm. still really appreciate a lot of it. Mm. Um, but the issue is that. It, basically, to watch a movie, you have to have some form of getting it displayed. Yes. You have to have a TV or a computer or a phone or whatever it is, um, or a cinema. Um, you know, to listen to music, you just have to have something that plays music. And then, like, the act of watching a movie or listening to it are not challenging in themselves. Whereas playing a video game has this barrier to entry of being able to play a video game. Mm. And that is enough to... Uh, just just end it right there for a lot of people basically if you haven't grown up with video games it's why would you bother trying to get into them it's too hard and too what's the point you know and and I think the film kind of has this thing I think one of the reasons the start of the film is so slow even when they get into the game Mm. is because they are spending a lot of time establishing rules and talking about video gamey things so they meet this guy right at the start of the game uh, who gives them a lift in the jungle they all get into this jeep and then this guy is talking to them, and then he starts looping his dialogue, and you realise that he's he's a computer program basically. Yes. He's an NPC, which yes. they say in the game. They say he's an NPC. Oh, what does that mean? That means a non-player character. He, you have to exhaust his dialogue, and you go, well, that is that you're you're having to you're having to spend so long with all this clunky stuff to explain what a video game is. I didn't mind any of that, to be honest. Once it got into the Jumanji world. I thought, you know, I began to like the film a lot more and actually I didn't feel, you know, that I, I you know, I felt that I could follow what was going on. Yeah, that the film was giving me the yeah. information that I needed. Well, that's good. I mean, I, I suppose I suppose what the film's having to do then is, is really it's having to play to two audiences. One that doesn't know what it's talking about and has to learn it and one that already knows 
but the the the, the upshot of my already knowing what it was talking about is that I was pretty bored because <laughs> I was yes. going, "Why well, is explaining this stuff?" But then you have to explain it. It's it's. But then I knew that at the time, like I did know it has to explain this stuff because a lot of people won't know because it can't. You can't rely on everyone just knowing this stuff. And actually, this is the point I'm making that ultimately these barriers to entry to understanding and enjoying and appreciating video games are so high that it makes everything clunky. Mm. Um, and it's it's kind of unavoidable that it's going to have to do this if it wants to be a film about video games. But I mean, uh, I'm, I'm a large part of you know the intended audience for this film is children, mm. which I wouldn't imagine would have much experience of gaming anyway, right? Because I I mean I think this is addressed to a large extent to, to small children. You think so? I think so. I think it's aimed at people who watched the first Jumanji when they were kids. I think it's aimed at people my age. Um, well, you may be right, but it is also a children's film. Mm. Um, I mean, there are, you know, even the few risque jokes are really coded, right? Like, they never go blurt out anything. It's no. something that, True. you know... Um, well, it's trying to hit a wide audience, that's for sure. Yes, yeah, so it's a family to... film. But, um, I mean, but then I, I don't know. I mean, I don't have kids, so I don't know. I don't know how old they are when they start getting into video games with me showing them by the parents. I mean, to be fair, I, I, I would... Um, I'd expect them to be like 12 or 13. No, or man. I was playing games from when I was five and I, don't, I wasn't like an unusually video right, gamey okay, kid. Okay, I don't know if I think I think it's quite early, to be honest. I wouldn't expect kids to have a problem understanding this sort of stuff. I think they probably... Unless they're exceptionally young, like... I think most kids have got some experience of video games, basically. Okay. I mean, they get them everywhere. It's on your phones and all the rest of it. So, my last question is, do you, would you expect um, somebody watching this version at the same age you were when you watched the original to be equally enchanted? Uh, no. No. I don't think it's as imaginative. I don't think it's as inventive. I don't think the characters are as interesting or as strong. Um, it's it's fairly trifling, like it, and it has a bunch of good jokes, and we laughed a lot. Mm. Um, I laughed a bit. I think we both laughed enough to say it's got a bunch of good jokes. You laughed more. I laughed more, but we both you laughed. It it, I mean, let's not get fucking splitting hairs over this. We both had a good time watching it. Ultimately, mm. fairly good time. I like the ending I don't as well. Regret having seen it. But we're not going to watch it twice, are we? But we had a pretty decent <laughs> time. Well, I tell you what, I did like. Um, I. I I do like the ending, and I know you're going to roll your eyes and go, he's doing the thing. But I, um, what I particularly liked about the ending, when they all come back into the real world, and, and centrally, one thing that we haven't talked about is that the, this one kid plays it in 1996 and gets stuck in there because to advance in the game and get out, he needs the other characters to be playing it as well. And other people don't find the game until 2017, so he's stuck there for a long time. And ultimately, through teamwork and all being there together and combining their skills, they manage to save this kid and all get out together. Mm. And the kid returns to the real world, and it turns out that this kid has returned to the real world when he started playing it in 1996. Mm. So he's grown up with the, with, the knowledge, with the memory of having played the game and been there for a long time, but he's grown up properly instead of... You know, he's had to, he's been able to have his life basically. So then, so then, when the other kids return to to twenty seventeen, they're like, "Oh, where's the other guy?" And they go to his house, and he's there, and he goes, "I've been here for twenty years, and I remember you guys, and you're Bethany, and you're this, that, and the other." And and I found, God, oh, this is, I found that really touching actually, because he's he's not the central character, um, 
but he's not unimportant. He's just not, you know, he's not part of the central four that, that you're with from the start. But there's this whole minor world that's just happened where in a, in a cut, he's lived his life again. Mm. And then reunited. He's waited for twenty years to reunite with the guys who saved him, and he's got a family, and he's named his daughter after the one girl. And I find that really beautiful, actually. Okay. I, I, <laughs> I think that I, I am. Um... See, I was thinking about something completely different because I was thrown because the character is played by it's played by Nick Jonas in the Jumanji world, and then by Colin Hanks in the. No. Oh, yes. Uh, which one's Nick Jonas? Isn't Nick Jonas the nerdy kid? No, Nick Jonas is the one that they find in Jumanji World. Is it? it? Oh, well, I didn't fucking recognise him then. Um, I well, I thought I you were talking about it and how they were No, I thought, I thought he was the nerdy kid. No, I do know a little bit about the Jonas Brothers because I heard yeah. all this stuff about how they were well, selling he's sex. Well, he's that character mm. who becomes Colin Hanks. Well, there you go then. Yeah. So, and I was thrown by Colin Hanks. Uh, and then I was, I was trying to think, are they going to... Are they going to pretend that Colin Hanks is the same age as these kids? And, you know, thankfully they didn't. No. <laughs> uh, I thought that was a really sweet moment. I do. I think that's lovely. I, lo- I mean, yeah, films that have these moments of reuniting and all, the, all that sort of stuff. But, um, you know, it's, it's not like... Um, it's kind of pat. Like, I guess he's sort of... I, I don't know what I expected, to be honest, but I just appreciate it. You've seen, you, this house has been set up as the house where the kid went missing in 1996 and the dad's gone mental and the house looks like a haunted house because it's fallen into disrepair. So when they come back and the house is pristine and white, it's, well, it's mm. Christmas, so it's covered in decorations and stuff as well. You're like, what's going on here? The guy, and then the guy's there. He's got a family. He's got kids. It's like, oh, they, <laughs> they actually properly saved a guy's life. And oh, he was well. able to live a full life. You're because you're a softy. I think the film. I think actually that is an earned moment. Mm. I think everything is earned actually. Even though, even though a lot of the characterization is really thin, mm. um, and it, it actually it passes through moments of kind of self reflection and realization very quickly at points. I think ultimately everything is earned, and so you are happy for the characters at the end when they've learned to operate as a team and respect each other and respect themselves. Okay, so... I think. Actually, it has a kind of a good message. I mean, it has that moment where um, when they're in the jungle... I, I do like the way that the film isolates characters in pairs at points. Mm-hmm. So then they... So whatever it is about that, that pair of characters that forces them to bounce off each other, they're forced to confront it because the film puts them in situations... I mean, it's not even... You know, so basically, um, you have the two boy characters who have a pre-existing sort of relationship, and you have the two girl characters who vaguely have a pre-existing sort of relationship. And when the two girl characters are isolated, they're talking to each other, and the pretty girl says, God, can you stop judging me? And um, and she says, I don't judge you. And she's like, yeah, I can't remember exactly what it is, but basically, like, the... The, the pretty girl has, has is, like, forced into some realisation about why she acts the way she does. And then the... The nerdy girl is forced into some realisation that you're scared people won't like you, so you decide to not like them in advance, so that makes it easier. And it's like, and these are genuine realisations that these two characters have about the way they are and things that they should probably work on. But it happens like that. I said to you at the time, this was very quick. <laughs> like, So it, it, it kind of, the film does run through things quickly at points, or mm. briefly, because it's, it's, it's got other stuff to do. But it does do them. Yeah, well, I found that trite. 
But anyway, I think the film's success is that it didn't ruin your childhood. <laughs> no, I mean, it would be hard to ruin Jumanji, that's for one thing. I, people are so fucking brittle that, you know, oh, Star Wars ruined my childhood, it ruined the other things. Well, for one thing, you can't ruin a film that was already made. Like, it's really, I can't think of a film that has come out that, is, that has ruined a previous film through, you know, retroactively. Mm. I think that's ridiculous. I mean, people are talking about the new Ghostbusters. Mm. And actually, I think the, the new Ghostbusters had a much better chance of ruining the old Ghostbusters than any other film has because it really was a shot-for-shot shot remake. Mm. Um, but, you know, people, people were just being sexist pigs over there. And actually, all the problems that the new Ghostbusters had were nothing to do with the fact that it was a cast of women. Mm. It was the fact that it wasn't very funny. Mm. Um, but the fact that it was women had nothing to do with it. Um, you know, and people are really, really brittle about about Star Wars at the moment, saying, "Well, you've changed this, that, and the other, and you never said before that the Force can do this, and you never said before." And it's like, if you watch the old Star Wars films, they are making it up as they go along. <laughs> they really are. Yeah. You know, like who knew that the Force could do this, and who knew that you know, Yoda just pitches up, and then it just turns out that uh, you know Darth Vader's his dad. Spoilers. You know, it's like those films really are making it up as, as they go along. So, like, the fact that people have watched them obsessively and become really invested in them is what makes them think that it was all planned ahead of time. Of course, it fucking wasn't. So, the fact that things change now really sets them off. I think it probably set me off the first time I watched the new Star Wars because I was a little bit in that frame of mind. But mm. I've come to realise that those people are dicks. And I don't <laughs> want to be one of them. <laughs> anyway, let's now move off subject. So, uh, do you think this is a good companion piece to the original? Like, it's like an irrelevant companion piece. It's, in a way, it's kind of like saying, do you think that Terminator 2 is a good companion piece to Labyrinth? These are different films, actually. Well, they're not as different. So you, I think it would be a fair question to say, do you think Terminator 2 you know, is a companion piece of term to the Terminator? And actually, this is like Jumanji 20 years later. So I think it's a fair question to ask. I think it's a fair question to ask, but I think it's also a fair response. I, I, I think actually they, they are very different films I think you could watch this one with no knowledge of the first one and not have an impoverished experience you know. well that is true and, uh, and you expect whatever but since you have watched the original and since it was so meaningful to your childhood uh, how do you rate this one? I reject the framing of the question that way <laughs> okay I do because, so, because I, I think it's a perfectly fair question to, to, to ask what do you think of this film but but framing it as with with respect to the film that you previously liked, what do you think of it? It's not meaningful to me in that way. Well, but I think it's a fair question because, like you said at the beginning, you know, the film is addressed to a large extent to people of your generation who grew up with the film, you know, and who probably now are going and taking their kids to it. So actually, hmm. you know, this this film being in some kind of dialogue with the original is a fair question because it is. It will well, be for a lot of people. So, you know, did it disappoint? Okay, you know, fair enough. Did you enjoy then. it? Did it mar your enjoyment? I mean, I think that those are all fair questions. Okay, fair enough. Well, that being... When you put it that way, no, that makes sense. So, put it that way, um, I am neither disappointed nor elated that it really bears no resemblance or relationship to the original film. There's I, some resemblance. It's like a, it bears some resemblance, but it's not important. Mm. Um, I think that it has... It has some kind of similar messages, but then a lot of films do. I mean, Power Rangers did. Films, messages about teamwork and realising, learning to be confident about yourself and that sort of thing. 
these are not uncommon messages for films, particularly kind of children's films, mm. to uh, convey. Um, it could be disappointing that it's not that closely related, really, to the original. Mm. But I think it 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 bears it would bear a greater chance of being disappointing if it did, because then it would be like trying to live up to something that I really love. Okay, so you enjoyed it and you recommend? No, I'm just asking. I'm not going to recommend it as like this is the best film of all time. At all. I'm not asking to recommend no, no, the no, best no. film of all time. I, 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 <laughs> would you recommend someone see it? It's out now. <laughs> there are better films to see. Mm. I, I think it made me laugh a lot, and I think some of the some of the performances are good. And I really like the bit where the Rock is, you know. Uh, Again, this is one of those moments where the two characters are isolated. It's it's the nerdy kid played by the Rock, and the nerdy girl played by Karen Gillan, um, and they are kind of taking advantage nervously of this confidence in themselves given by their great sexy bodies in this mm. video game world to express their how much they fancy each other. Mm. And the Rock is very nervous and wide eyed and topping about from foot to foot. And going, okay, I've just got to tell you right now that I really like you. And it's a wonderful bit of performance. Mm. Um, I mean, I really bought it, you know. I think actually, I think actually The Rock is, the Rock is such a personable on-screen presence. He's very charismatic. Um, and I think he nails it at that point. It's actually, I'm, it's really tough to say if I recommend it. Because if I recommend it, it's like saying I approve. And I think that it lives up to the original. And I'm not saying that. But it is decent on its own terms, basically. It's a half-decent movie. Yes. I really loved Jack Black. Yeah, well Hart. done. <laughs> and so that would be a reason to see it. If you like those two, they are very good in it. Yeah. Performances and some good jokes. Um, a lot of muddle stuff underneath that. It's fine. I basically didn't say anything, so... That's the other thing. I just fucking talk for an hour on a film that isn't that meaningful. Well, I think it's meaningful in the light of your original. And I actually, I thought the whole thing about how it was meaningful to you in your childhood, that was very interesting. Hmm. And actually, probably very characteristic. I mean, not just you, but like, you know, a whole generation probably felt that way. So I think you should keep that in. Hmm. I'm sure there was something that I wanted to say and never got around to. Or maybe... <laughs>